it's time to expand online. Hi, I'm Jamie Slutsky, and this is the podcast where we break down the tech and strategies that successful hands-on entrepreneurs just like you use to translate their services into online products. There is no fluff. There is no overwhelm. There is no shame. Let's get to it. It's time for you to expand online. Welcome to the Expand Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and this is episode number 208. I have a fantastic interview for you today. I'm sure if you've spent any amount of time online, you've probably run into some of my guest's expertise. She is truly a gem in the music education space and in empowerment and helping you just know what you're doing online. This conversation needs really no introduction, so I'm going to let you get to it as soon as I remind you of a couple of quick things. Number one, the best resource you've got for everything that we talk about here is the show notes, which you can find right there in your podcast app or by going to techofbusiness.com forward slash 208. Second, I love being in conversation with you. If you haven't booked a call with me, go to callwithjamie.com. It's in the show notes as well. Just click on it, pick a time, and we can talk about whatever is going on in your business and whatever you think you want to be doing next. And finally, the best way to thank Catherine for her time here on the podcast is to share this episode with somebody that you know will benefit from it. There's a share button inside your podcast app. So just click on that and send this off. And I know Catherine will really appreciate you helping get her voice and her expertise out there further. And with that, let's get into my conversation with Catherine. Catherine, welcome to the Expand Online Podcast. I am super excited to share your story here on the podcast and to provide some inspiration, motivation, tangible, tactical things that people can start doing. Anyway, I could go on about with all those adjectives, but let's just go ahead and get started by introducing who you are and what you offer online. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm happy to be here and talk about these super important things. Uh, my name is Catherine Eminette, and <clears throat> I am an entrepreneur, a teacher, um, you know, a dog mom, a community member, et cetera, et cetera. And I live in the Atlanta area. I'm a flutist, and I have a private studio. I have multiple online courses that I offer. Uh, and I have a small little business called KE Creative, which offers resources for classical musicians in order to help them think more entrepreneurial, um, have the business skills that we don't learn about in college, and to serve as a resource for musicians who are trying to evolve classical music and inspire them to do things that maybe they weren't exposed to or encouraged to do during school. Oh, I love that. Yes, classical musician and online are two things that I don't think even three years ago, many people thought of putting together other than, you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is phenomenal. I think that the fact that you brought some of the classical music 
opportunities online before the pandemic, before it was all the rage, it just is a testament to how far this industry can actually go, that it's not just a happenstance thing. It's something that is viable for a lot of people and that we don't have to stop doing one thing in order to do something online. That's totally right. Yeah, the portfolio career is where it's at, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I guess what I'd like to do is to find out a little bit about why you decided to bring in some online education, online inspiration, coaching, all of that stuff. What was the reasoning or the rationale behind that? Um, yeah, it was actually a very, it was not something that I came up with overnight. It was, it was something that kind of evolved. Um, so I, when I finished, when I was going through my doctorate at the University of Washington, I was preparing to have a career as a flute professor at a major university. That's what I was priming myself to do. I had a private studio at the time and I loved it. And I taught 20 kids a week while getting my doctorate. And I tutored athletes through the athletic department at the University of Washington in their non-music courses so that I could learn about the curriculum for history of rock and roll or, you know, American ballad, you know, all sorts of these classes. So I was priming myself to go into a career in higher education. And I applied to almost a hundred positions over about a six-year period, and I got into the final three for about seven of them. And Congratulations so, on that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And um, so when I was going through that process and, and you know, I, I went through a really dark period of time of depression, um, of, of putting so much pressure on myself to do well at these auditions and interviews because I knew that they were so few and far between that... I needed to be amazing and that if I wanted to have a career in higher education, I had to land one of these jobs. There was like no question I had to land one of these jobs. So, you know, whenever you put that type of pressure on yourself, it's not very healthy. And so after going through this kind of rough time of, of trying and trying and doing everything you're supposed to do and being amazing at everything and starting music festivals and running them and doing international competitions and doing all the things that we are supposed to do, um, I decided I was tired of it. And I decided that I could do everything I wanted to do on my own terms without having to be affiliated with an organization in higher education. So I, I decided as long as I was playing, I was teaching, I was volunteering, and I was impacting our world, then that's all I really needed. So my husband and I decided to move back to the Atlanta area and it was not easy at first to let go of that dream that I had had for so long and worked so hard towards. It was almost like I was grieving for that life that I thought that I was going to have for so many years. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started a, another studio back in my hometown. Um, and I, you know, was happy doing that for because that's my jam. That's what I love to do. That's my number one favorite thing is teaching kids. Um, and, but then I got to a point where I was like, Hmm, you know, there's only so many hours in the day that we can teach and there's only so much we can charge per hour. So there's definitely an income cap that we reach as private teachers. There's not a lot of room for expanding our income. There's not a lot of opportunity, um, to make passive income necessarily. 
And so I knew that there was, there had to be something else that I could do some, something else, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. And this was like six years ago, by the way. Mm -hmm, So this was mm -hmm. not like super recently. This was just like you said, before the pandemic, before all of that happened. Um, And so I started working with a business coach. And I remember having $500 in my bank account because I had just started my new studio. I had just gotten a job as an adjunct professor at a college. And I was working with her and she asked how much I could pay her, you know, and she really believed in me and she kind of took a chance, I guess. And um, she, she decided, you know, after we talked about everything, she was like, okay, I think you need to do online courses. I think that that will be the, because you're a great teacher, you're passionate about doing, helping others and all of that. So let's do that. And I was like, okay. So she introduced me to zoom because I had uh-huh. no one knew what zoom was at back at that point. Um, and I was a nervous wreck because no one in classical music had ever done an online course that I was aware of. Mm -hmm. And I was really, um, I find that a lot of times musicians are are not easy to trust, especially when it's something that's new. So -hmm. when you present something like, I guess the public in general is, you know, you know, taking a risk on something. So I was very nervous. I was scared about how other people would perceive me about offering something like this that was new and different. Um, but I went for it. And as far as the idea for my first online course, where that came from, um, the, the online course is called the music teachers playbook, which is a 14 week class where I teach people how to grow a successful private studio, um, Mm -hmm. from nothing. I've had to do it many, many times and, um, all over the country. And I've taught many people how to do it and they've been successful at it. So that was the topic of the course. The way I came up with that topic for the course was not just like I pulled it out of a hat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for, you know, the people listening, if you're thinking about doing an online course, but you're not quite sure what you should do it on, um, this is what I always recommend. I came up with my uh, idea for the class because of what people kept asking me about over and over again. I had no idea that this was the thing that I was good at. I thought everybody knew how to do this because of Google and, you know, figuring things out and entrepreneurial spirit and all of that. But after a while, after I started seeing that so many people were asking me about this, and then I gave a presentation at a big conference about studio development and starting a studio, and it was packed, standing room only, Um, I said, oh my gosh, people need to know this information and I can help them to have a full-time job in music through teaching. If they're, Mm -hmm. they're just missing a few of these important skills. And if they can learn how to do that and have someone who's really experienced watching over them as they create it, man, what could the possibilities be like? So I launched it like six years ago and, um, (laughs) I, in the first enrollment, I had like 20 people who, 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 um, signed up and I was elated because that $500 I have in my bank, had in my bank account at that point, like tripled, right. Or quadrupled. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I can really make a difference in a different way, mm-hmm. um, and help other musicians do this and also find a way to have a secondary source of income for myself doing something. 
Totally. You know, and I, what I love is that you went from being in this space where you thought you were going to be teaching the next generation of flute players and you were going to be getting them so that they could follow in your footsteps down the academic track and be in, you know, performance and all of those things. But then when it came down to it, you realize that the secret sauce of what you were qualified to do and best able to provide to the industry was opportunity for other music teachers to be able to have thriving studios. So instead of you impacting your 20 students and being happy with that, you're impacting those 20 students plus 20 teachers who are each taking on 20 students. And so you've just made like multiplied your impact by teaching something that makes sense and is so obvious and logical to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think that, you know, for that particular course, I've already worked with over 200 teachers and a lot. And I just, I'm thrilled every time I get a message that where they show me their income chart for the year mm-hmm. or when they tell me, oh my gosh, I have a waiting list now, you know, and, and it's just amazing to see them and then see their updates about how they were able to buy a house or get a car and knowing that I had a little small impact in helping them achieve those goals, you know? So it's incredibly rewarding and also to free them up and give them the confidence that they can do this, that being a music teacher is a very good um, profession and it is a valuable profession and not something you do if you don't get an orchestral job or a job as a college professor. You can make it into an incredibly impactful career. Um, And so it's really rewarding on multiple um, different levels. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it's so great that we have um, teachers like you who are creating opportunities for other teachers to be able to follow in their footsteps and how and do the business side of the music education space. Now, I know that there's a lot of listeners who want to directly impact their students through online means, online courses, membership sites, workshops, things like that. Um, Is that something that you've gone into since uh, working with the teachers? Are you doing things directly for the students as well? I'm not doing anything directly for my personal students. Um, My philosophy of lessons and education and all of that is very hands-on and very Mm -hmm. much in in an in-person context. So my studio is always doing something in person, having different types of gatherings, doing um, different activities online um, together or going on field trips together in non-pandemic times um, and all of that. I have created other resources for my students online that I share with other teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So during the pandemic, I created an entire video about the entire history of the flute. (laughs) And I gave my students a project on that. And um, they, and I shared it with lots of other teachers as well. So if you are teaching online or if you do want to come up with courses or other things that you offer your students, you absolutely can. It can act as a supplement to your lessons of what you do for those students. And you can either wrap it into your lesson tuition to have that online component for different um, modules that you want them to do online, or you can just charge per um, project that you create for them online. Um, so there's mo- there's many different ways to impact people using online things and Mm -hmm. creating online things. And it's a great way to increase that passive income 
However, I do have to say, even though we call it passive income, it is actually not very passive, um, meaning <laughs> it is very active. You are still having to put in the time to create things, to edit things, to make things. And when you are doing that, it can feel like a lot of work. Um, but then once you get it pre-recorded and packaged and everything, you're able to sell it multiple times over and over again, and then it's worth it for sure um, to, to have done all that work up front. But it is a lot of work up front. I could not agree with you more. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think that that's the benefit to creating an online course or an online class or an online anything is that, yes, there is a lot of work up front, but it becomes easier over time and you can add new things in every once in a while, which doesn't take a lot of extra time and space. And I'm sure that now that you have over 200 people who have gone through your program, that you're doing things with the people who were like 193 and 194 that you weren't doing with person three and four because your business hadn't evolved to that point. The course hadn't evolved to that point. Um, and the way that you were able to present yourself online has changed over time. So when someone is sitting here listening to us right now and saying, okay, I really do want to create something online. Do you have any quick thought processes that they could go through or exercises that they could go through that says, okay, yes, now I really do ha is the right time for me. I have enough time. I know what I'm creating. I know who it's for. Do you have any of that kind of stuff that you can share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is probably one of the the trickiest thing where, where people get hung up. They, they, they feel like that um, now's not the right time or you know, I really want to do this, but I'm not sure exactly how to do it. And I, I think that there, there is never going to be a right time. Um, you just kind of have to make a decision and try it out. It may not work. And that's okay if it doesn't work. We learn from failure. We learn from, you know, not having something work perfectly the first time. So if you are ready to do something and you're like, okay, let's, let's move to the online space. I think the first step is you need to think about that very first thing that I mentioned with coming up with my idea for my class. What do people ask you about? What are you the expert in? Even if you don't think you're the expert in that, if other people think you're the expert in that and you have a lot of experience in it, then you're an expert in that. People are really great at showing us the outside of our box. They're really great at showing us what we're good at. So listen to what people tell you. Listen to your students. Listen to what they want extra help with or find out from them, you know, what topics that they're interested in. And then you simply write out an outline for what it's going to be, what it's going to look like, and then you just create it. And then you're done. The, <laughs> the first time that I came up with my first online course, it took me two weeks and that was it. And I launched it after two weeks. So I did not have the whole thing finished or ready to go. It was not perfect. I just had the basic outline. I knew what I wanted to cover in each class. And I allowed space for it to evolve because it needed to evolve. And every year that I have done my online course, it has been different every single time. There have not been two that have been the same. So um, yeah, just, you know, if you're ready to do it, then just do it. Just get it out there. Um, and see what happens because the longer it stays in your head, then the more time you're allowing you to talk yourself out of doing it. And so if you get it out of your head and out into the world, 
then it's going to be out there and you're going to be able to tweak it to make it better and better for each time that you offer it. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so, so much. I know one of the things that a lot of people ask me, I would say probably every three DMs that I get on Instagram and on Facebook these days are people asking me, well, I've got this idea. I validated the idea. My, my, my current students, they like it. They think it's good. How do I attract more students? How do I sell this beyond the people that I already know? Um, and I think that that kind of goes into something that you're really good at, which is helping people be seen and be visible because that's what it takes to run a successful studio. You have to put yourself out there. And I'm wondering if you have any online strategies that you could share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, one of the biggest things that doesn't work is when people think if I build it, they will come. And that is not that is not necessarily true, right? So um, you have to have an audience that has that is built that is interested in the things that you're interested in. Something I, I really like to say is it's very good to be exclusive and not inclusive. You're not going to please everyone. Not everyone is going to love what you're offering, and that's okay. You want to have people who are um, in your audience that do like everything that you do. So it is great to have, you start with your, your initial community, right? So your own students and their families and all of that. And you think about what those people have in common. What makes them such a good fit for you as, as a teacher? What are they interested in? What makes them, you know, really passionate about taking lessons with you or studying with you? And then you think about what type of content those types of students would really like. And then you create that content, content on social media to attract people who are in the exact same type of audience. Mm -hmm. So it takes showing up a lot online. Um, I know my team and I, we post at least four times a week and we have a big content strategy that we do every single month. And it, it takes showing up and engaging with people who are your ideal customers and clients. And usually what happens is when one person experiences what you have to offer, they will tell their friends and then they mm -hmm. will tell their friends and then they will tell their friends. So just continuing to show up and show people what you're doing and what um, what value you provide to people and having conversations with people who are your ideal clients and finding, finding I call them little ponds, right? Ponds full of fishes, figuring out which ponds um, your, your ideal customers or students or whatever, where do they congregate online? Are they in certain Facebook groups? Are they following certain hashtags? Where are they? And how can you start a relationship with them? Brilliant. I feel like that is the piece that everybody needs to hear over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter if you are looking for your next one-on-one -on -one student, if you are launching a course, if you are wanting whatever it might be. Maybe you've got a worksheet that you want to sell to the masses. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's always about making sure that you are super specific on who this is best suited for and why they care. Yeah, absolutely. And this, and you know, many musicians and teachers are like, oh, I don't like networking. I don't like being on social media. I don't like being online. 
well, if no one knows who you are and no one knows what you stand for and what you provide, no one's going to buy, right? It's not it's not like a magic thing that happens that if you build an awesome product, people will just magically find it. It doesn't work like that. Do we wish it works like that? Absolutely. But it doesn't <laughs> work like that. It, it comes up with being genuine, being aggressive in a nice way, um, and forming those relationships with the people that you seek to serve. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to um, bring us back real quick to the classical musician and that whole realm of where where people are at now versus where they were six years ago. Have Do you think that the mindset of a classical musician has evolved at all? This was just something that was kind of you know, I was thinking about as we were talking, I'm like, have things really changed or is that uh, still um, in process? <laughs> uh, it's very much still in process. Um, classical musicians, I think, are very traditional, very slow moving in general um, with, with the whole world because it's worked for so long. And, um, you know, we, we love playing and we love the traditional aspect of what we do. So, of course, it's a little harder to evolve. Um, last spring, I conducted about 30 interviews with people who were either still in school as music majors or recently graduated. Um, and I asked them questions like, um, who is a disruptor in the classical music industry or who do you admire? And sometimes I would get some great answers, but the majority of the time it would be things like, the latest principal oboe with the Philadelphia Orchestra is the first European ever hired um, for that principal role. And so, you know, okay, that's great. That's awesome that we're having diversity, but it's still back to that original paradigm of the orchestra, the professional orchestra. Um, when I would ask people about what they ultimately wanted to do, I still got the same answers of um, being a college professor or playing in a professional orchestra. So for me, I was, I was thinking, no, why is it still like this? This should, cause this is the world I live in every day as someone who's trying to evolve the classical music world. And I'm, and I talk about all of these topics and my friends are talking about these topics and I teach people how to think outside of that classical music bubble. And so it was a little disheartening for me to hear that those were still the same two things that people <laughs> wanted to do. Um, but also, um, for the folks that I talked to who were out of school for a couple of years, the conversation looked a little different. So they had been out of school. They had maybe taken one of my courses. And when we had these different discussions, they were talking to me about starting nonprofit organizations, about offering different types of resources for musicians online, and so on and so on and so on. And I actually just finished my newest course called M School, which is kind of like an idea incubation um, course where you take an idea that you want to have and put out in the world that is not a traditional idea necessarily. And we work on it and we talk about how to create the audience and how to market and how to develop mm -hmm. a really great product and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, the ideas that these folks came up with, if they if they execute them, I mean, this is these ideas are what's going to change classical music and evolve it forward. So on the one hand, we're still kind of stuck. But on the other hand, I have hope for the future for people who are listening and who are um, excited about creating something on their own terms to for their own communities and um, for to change the, the world to 
and the the big public to actually start noticing classical music and engaging with it as much as they do college football. Oh my god, that is so awesome! I love it. I love it. Like as I said, like this question just kind of came to me, and I think that this is like the gem of the conversation that we have had here today, Catherine. I I love it. Um, and I want to respect your time, and I want to respect the time of all the listeners. Do you have that one parting thought? Um, and you know where people can connect with you if they want to learn more that you could share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, my one parting thought um, for everyone is that you can do whatever you want in your life. There are no rules. There are no boundaries. Whatever you think you were taught in school about you can't do this until you do this or you can't charge this until you do that, that is, does not exist. That is not a thing. You create your own rules in your own endeavors and you decide what you're going to do based on what you want to do. If you want to go for it and put something out there and, you know, be vulnerable, then you should do that for sure. And I find that, you know, a lot of people don't put things out because they're scared of what other people will think. But my big advice for that is if you believe in it strongly enough, it doesn't even matter what other people think because you're a hundred percent behind it. So do it anyway, make it exclusive instead of inclusive. Um, and as far as where to find me, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> my Handle is Catherine Eminette, just my name. On Facebook, I have a private group called Classical Musicianeer. We have monthly musicianeer meetups where we just hang out and talk about this kind of stuff with uh, me and my team, and everyone is always welcome. It's great to network with other people and great just to hang out and have that community of people out there doing their own thing. Um, and then on Facebook with my name, Catherine Eminette, my website that has all the information about my courses and stuff. If you want to look at how I lay out the landing pages, or about how the courses are broken down, uh, my uh, website is katherineminette.com. I will have all of that in the show notes so everyone can easily click over to that. Catherine, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you have shared here on the podcast today and for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jamie. And your listeners can reach out to me at any time if they have any questions about any of this because I know it's really tricky to navigate when you're getting started. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.